AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. USDA continued to whittle away at the national corn and soybean yields. And based on what I'm hearing, there's still a little bit of work to do on that front. Cuts to the crops helped corn close moderately higher, beans close sharply higher, and even wheat found enough buying to close higher on the day. And it was a green light day for a rally in the cattle complex, too. Live from Friday the 13th Eve. <laughs> Via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we talk with Matthew Elliott from South Dakota State University. And directly following the news, Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. And now, the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis. Hey, thank you so much. Yeah, it was anticipation of the Farm Journal College Roadshow up to Brookings, South Dakota and South Dakota State University that introduced me to Matthew Elliott uh, uh, up at SDSU. But boy, I tell you what, after checking out some of the work that he has done, some of his analysis, uh, I'm looking forward to having him on the show and breaking down the uh, the USDA crop production and supply and demand reports. All right. Welcome Great. to AgriTalk. Yeah. How you doing, buddy? Is everything okay? I think I'm okay. Yeah. Does 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 a Friday the thirteenth in October mm-hmm. carry a little bit more umph? Oh, absolutely, it does. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. To the degree that October the thirteenth might as well just not even exist in other months. It's head and shoulders above the rest as far wow. as the potential for scary stuff. For scary stuff. A lot of cobwebs, you know, bats and things, sort Uh of howling wolves in the background that you hadn't noticed before. A lot of that kind of stuff. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'll be paying attention for it tomorrow. As a matter of fact, I'll I'll start paying attention tonight at midnight. Attaboy. Well, that's probably stretching it. Um, But who knows? Maybe I'll have a bad dream or something. Oh, well, now, see, you, you don't want to wish that on yourself, Chip. <laughs> That's right. Well, let's think That's some happy right. thoughts. Somewhere a kitten is being rescued from a well. <laughs> How's that? Oh, good. Good, good, good. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's save some time for Oliver and go ahead and get started on this news. Well, Chip, wheat futures were modestly lower at the release of USDA's reports and ended the day with moderate gains. What makes the strength in wheat most impressive is that it happened with no support from the USDA reports. <laughs> USDA put the 23-24 wheat carryover at 670 million bushels. That's up 55 million from last month and 23 million above the average pre-report trade guess. Global old crop carryover was up slightly from last month, but new crop global wheat carryover is down slightly from September. Much of the push for higher wheat prices was spilled over from gains in soybeans and corn. December HRW wheat futures three, uh, seven and three quarter cents higher, 675. December SRW wheat up. 15 and one half to 571 and one half. Uh, December spring wheat, let me, let's see, I don't have the close up. In I front got of it that. here. Last Seven, I looked. Up, uh, it closed at 723 and a half, up five and a quarter. Okay, okay. We oftentimes yeah. see that spring wheat uh, contract will close 
later than the others. Yeah, so the settlement like, comes in yeah. later. Uh, the other thing that I think the wheat traders might have been looking at are a little bit of uh, just some whittling away at mm. some global wheat crops. Australia crop was, was revised down, so was Argentina's. USDA cut eight-tenths of a bushel from its national average corn yield, dropping the yield to 173 bushels per acre. That knocked 70 million bushels from the corn crop estimate compared to last month. And the peg of 15.064 billion bushels was 37 million bushels below the average pre-report trade estimate. Corn carryover for 23-24 at 2.111 billion bushels, down 110 million bushels from last month, and 27 million bushels below the average pre-report trade guess. Ethanol production in the weekend at October 6 averaged 1.004 million barrels per day, down about 5,000 barrels from the previous week. And finally, Chip, USDA this morning also announced the sale of nearly 125,000 metric tons of U.S. corn for delivery to Guatemala during the current marketing year. December corn futures eight cents higher today, 496. March corn gained seven and three quarters, 511 and one half. May corn futures closed at 519 and one half. That's up seven and three quarter cents, Chip. Yeah, some demand coming into the market. Uh, the, Dude, yeah. the yield cut back here a little bit. Uh, you were closer. I was saying 172. You said 172 and a half, and we got a, what was it, a 173. So mm -hmm. uh, there we go. But I think they've got a little bit of work to do to the downside yet. Well, USDA sliced a half bushel from the national average soybean yield to 49.6 bushels per acre, resulting in a crop estimate of 4.104 billion bushels, and that's down 42 million from last month and 30 million bushels below the average pre-report trade guess. Even with the cut to supplies, USDA left estimated soybean carryover unchanged yeah. from last month at 220 million bushels, but that was 13 million bushels below the average pre-report trade estimate. USDA this morning also announced the sale of 295,000 metric tons of beans for delivery to unknown destinations in the current marketing year. Today, November beans 37 and one half cents higher, 12.90. January beans up 36 and a half to 1308 and three quarters. March beans closed at 13, 19 and a half, up 34 and a half cents. A lot of froth in the corn and soybean markets today, Chip. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll talk to Matthew about what kind of magic USDA used to keep that carryover at 220 million bushels. USDA's cotton crop estimate, 12.817 million bales, down 315,000 from last month, but still 93,000 bales below trade expectations. December cotton, 13 points lower today, 84.92. Let me just run these livestock real quick. December fat cattle futures 82 and a half higher, 187.80. November feeder futures up a buck 57 and one half to close at 253, 57 and one half. And December hogs were 12 and a half cents higher at $70.10. Chip Flory. <laughs> All right, gotta push the right buttons. There you go. All right, thank you, Davis. Let's yeah. bring in Oliver Slow, Blue Line Futures. How you doing, Oliver? I'm doing well, Chip. How about yourself? Well, I'm looking at this upside reversal in November beans and thinking, wow, that's kind of impressive. Kind of impressive. That's that's really impressive. Man, those algos were uh, quick off the beat to, to mark that market higher and, uh, you know, bump their head above that, right at that psychologically significant $13 handle. It'll be interesting to see if we get get some follow through. I think last Thursday I jinxed it. Last Thursday we had that big rally in the corn market, and I was talking yeah. about some follow through above five bucks, and uh, it didn't even sniff any follow through. Traded back lower today was basically an identical range to last Thursday, so I'm not going to say anything this week. Okay. 
Come on. You know what? Here's the deal. I've had people say, you got to quit talking that corn crop down because if one man had that much power over what was going on in the markets, we'd that man would be would, would be rich. Um, upside reversal in Deese Corn, too. Come on. Yeah, I, I like it. I, I, I still think that we're trying to carve out a low. I, that doesn't mean we're going to be, you know, ripping higher to the upside. I right. think we can steadily grind higher over time. How much higher is going to be the big question. And I've been talking with guys over the last couple of weeks that even if the fundamentals aren't necessarily bullish, you know, that, that wouldn't be a catalyst uh, for lower prices. All we need is really just no news. And that could be enough to spark some short covering and get this market moving higher, which is kind of you know, what we've seen over the last couple of weeks is steady flow of higher highs and higher lows. But that's what's going to be important here going into the weekend is if we're able to make a higher high. We still haven't achieved that against last week's prices. So next couple of sessions will be very important. Excellent. Excellent. All right, Oliver. What do you got this weekend? Well, the the good news is the Huskers can't lose this week. Uh, the bad <laughs> news is they, they can't they can, <laughs> they can't win either. So, we're at a stalemate. Gotcha. All right, Oliver. We'll talk to you later. Oliver Slope Blue Life Features, Matthew Elliott next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by Bex. From farmers' first pass in the field to the final pass at harvest, it's a game plan rooted in faith and belief. See why at BexHybrids.com. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Davis, this morning, this morning. When, we, when we had Dr. Joe Cassidy, the dean of the Ag College at South Dakota State University, you know, right there at the end, I almost wished him good luck on the – you know, he said he has fun on Saturdays up at SDSU, okay? Mm-hmm. Sure. And I almost wished him luck this weekend, and then I realized, wait a second, I think they might be playing UNI, University uh-huh. of Northern Iowa. Uh-huh. You know, it's one of the state colleges that we love. Absolutely it is. It's and they of, are. Uh, yes. <laughs> SDSU is playing UNI this weekend. Should be a heck of a game uh, up there. I think it's in Brookings. So, okay. Uh, yeah. 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 So let's get back on the Farm Journal College Roadshow. Like I said, it's in anticipation that introduced me to Matthew Elliott. And I've looked at some of his work. Really impressed. And I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Matthew Elliott, Ag Economist at South Dakota State University. Welcome to AgriTalk, man. How are you? 
Good. How are you doing, Chip? Thanks for having me. You bet. I'm doing real fine, real fine. So, first time on the show, uh, we always give a moment and learn a little bit about our guest analyst. Uh, tell us about yourself. How did you get involved in, in ag economics? Yeah, so um, I'm actually uh, from western Nebraska. Uh, my family had a, a grain farm, and we did you know irrigation and non-irrigation, did some sugar beet production. So right out of college, I, I managed the farm with my father for five years and then he unfortunately passed away real quickly but at that right before he did I, I started graduate program at the University of Missouri um, and wanted to continue with that graduate program uh, was able to cobble together enough time and <laughs> energy to try to do both graduate school and manage the farm uh, at that uh, time period for about 10 years and then uh, finally my younger brother was old enough to take over the farm and so Okay. He's managing our family farm in Western Nebraska, and I started a position here at South Dakota State University. Yeah. How long have you been up there in bookings? So I, I started here about 2014. My wife was started at 2012. Um, so we've been up here over 10 years now. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, I'll admit, I, I I didn't know that much about the SDSU Ag College and, and, and what was off, what is offered up there. But in preparation for the conversation with uh, with Dean Cassidy and 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 with you, looking at what's available up there is, man, it's an impressive coursework that is available for for students interested in agriculture, isn't it? Oh yeah, I, I mean, I think I would compare our program uh, for Ag Econ, Applied Econ, or Econ to a lot of our peer universities. Uh, land grant or, you know, or, or regional universities. And so um, I think we offer a real good program and we're trying to find those niche areas, especially in agriculture, uh, for example, related to precision agriculture, um, mm -hmm. you know, doing different data analytics or, or, or data analytics and computer science programs here at SDSU, you know, contribute to that uh, using uh, precision ag data, the big yeah. data that we, we're capturing and, and making use of that uh, in order to make better uh, decisions at the farm level and at, in agribusinesses as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, of all the conversations that we've been having with, with the different land grant universities, keeping up with what the private sector is bringing to agriculture technology wise is, is a challenge for all the universities but boy, it sure seems like you guys up there in Brookings are doing a great job keeping up with it and offering some some coursework that that features and 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 uh, puts students in a position to be really prepared to to work with the technology rather than looking at it as something that you got to keep up with. So it's it's really cool. Good for you guys up there. It's uh it's an impressive like I said, it's impressive offerings that you've got for the students up there. Okay. Um Let's get to this crop production report here first. Eight tenths of a bushel off of the mm -hmm. national average corn yield, one seventy three bushels per acre, fifteen point zero six four billion bushels below trade expectations. And and I don't know, uh, Matthew. To me, it feels like there's still a little bit of work to do to the downside here. What are your thoughts? What did you glean from that production report? Yeah, I mean, certainly the, you know, they, they lowered the yields um, and, and maybe some people expected that. Um, and you, 
So again, they they adjusted the balance sheets in other places by reducing exports, um, reducing some feed and residual use. Um, and so even though they they lowered yields and then we we knew we were going to kind of have to trim that carry in from the stocks right. report a little bit, but they essentially nearly offset all that that uh, supply reduction by you know those changes in demand. Um, and so yeah. we only saw you know 110 million bushels uh, taken off on the ending stocks for uh, this coming marketing year. Right. And we're still roughly looking at that 15% stocks to use. And so given 15% stocks to use, you look historically at where prices traded at this point in time. I mean, we're probably still a little bit maybe high or right where we would expect to be on uh, 15% stocks to use. So uh, from a price standpoint, I don't think the report really, you know, moved the needle much, at least in my analysis. Yeah. You know what? I'll admit I hadn't redone the stocks to use ratio on it and 15% leaves me rather uninspired over what this corn market might do. But nonetheless, you got the decent contract bumping up against five bucks again here. It's it's uh, the resiliency and almost a refusal to go down and, and bust through support at 475. It's really pretty impressive, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And I and I'm not I think, you know, part of the the corn story and the wheat story today being both up might be the soybean story. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a better bullish story in soybeans. And, you know, we are going to get into that mode of, you know, acreage uh, distributions for the next following year. And, you know, you're looking at a 2.4 uh, corn to soybean uh, ratio right now in the, the in harvest contracts for next year. Uh, and so, you know, you're still a little bit slanted on the, the corn side, but soybeans might have to do a lot of work to gain some more acreage, um, you know, especially if some of the, you know, more crushed demand and, and, and so forth comes online. And we're at that bottom level on ending stocks and soybeans. So I, I, I think that the soybean might be the one that pulls everything along here and keeps things supported. Yeah. You know, Matthew, when when you take a hundred and what is it? No, when you, when you take off total supply, we were at 4.426. We're down here at 4.403. So 23 million bushels off the total supply. And none of that came off of ending stocks in beans. That That's some kind of weird math, if you ask me, isn't it? I mean, can, can you really justify cutting exports 35 million bushels down to 1.755 billion bushels at this time? Yeah, that seems probably a little bit pre premature. I mean, I know we're competing a little bit heavier right now with Brazil that's had some lingering, you know, larger supply and they're able to continue to export in greater quantities than they have, uh, you know, before at this time period, but still the, to reduce our exports at this early stage, I mean, might be a little premature. So I think there's a lot of potential for demand in, in soybeans to see increases. But like you said, you know, there's a lot of funny math and that ending stocks numbers on soybeans that once you get anywhere near that 180, uh, 180 million ending stocks, uh, you know, USDA can find a whole lot of ways just to keep it there. <laughs> and yeah. So, um, yeah. That's exactly what right. What's what? What was the stocks to use ratio now on on uh, beans? 
So we're at 5.2%. I, I think if you historically look back, I mean, we've had some 45 or 4.6% uh, mm-hmm. you know, stocks to use ratios and, and we're trading 14, 15 bushel beans when we're doing, when we're in that level. So we're not that far off, you know, a, a, a number here or two can change and we could be down in that four and a half percent, you know, stocks to yeah. use ratio range. Yeah. Well, heck, if they would have left those 35 million bushels on that export number for one more month and given us a given us an estimate of 185 million bushels, which I think maybe the market might be trading something closer to a, a you know, a 185 or 190 carry than than this 220 market's probably reflecting a little bit more of reality, huh? No, I would I would think so. I think you're exactly right. I was somewhat surprised that the market on soybeans today reacted the way they did. Not that I don't think it's very justified. I just was surprised given the numbers they reacted the way gotcha. they did. And it's, yep. Gotcha. Okay. We're going to pull a few more details and get a little bit more perspective going on the crop production and the supply and demand report. Plus, South Dakota, historically a swing state when it comes to acres. We'll find out from Matthew what guys are talking about going into the 24 season. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes where December hard red winter wheat futures were seven and three quarter cents higher at 675. December soft red wheat jumped 15 and a half cents to 571 and one half. December corn futures were eight uh, cents higher, four ninety-six. March corn gained seven and three quarter cents to five eleven and one half. November soybean futures thirty-seven and one half cents higher today, twelve ninety. January beans up thirty-six and a half, thirteen oh eight and three quarters. December cotton thirteen points lower today, eighty-four ninety-two. On your livestocks, December fat cattle futures were eighty-two and a half cents higher at one eighty-seven eighty. November feeder futures up one fifty-seven and a half to close at two fifty-three fifty-seven and one half. December lean hog futures twelve and a half cents higher at seventy ten. Get more market news every market day at tryprofarmer.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Davis, I meant to report at the start of the show. Yes? Still raining. 
Still raining. Still raining. Yeah. And um, uh, as a matter of fact, it looks like Matthew up at Brookings is probably getting some rain right now as well. Mm-hmm. How's things look up your way, Matthew? Oh, yeah. No, we we had a pretty steady rain for the last couple hours here. So I think I haven't looked at what the extent of the this storm system is, but I assume harvest is pretty much shut down around here yeah. for a few days. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Okay. And I do want to make sure that everybody is aware that along Highway 80 in Nebraska between Lexington and Elm Creek. Come on, boy. What am I doing? Between Lexington and Kearney. There, there's a couple of towns that people might be aware of. We got a tornado warning. Um, it's not just a watch. There's a watch over a big chunk of central Nebraska. But uh, there's evidently one has been spotted right there along 80. So uh, heads up. Heads up on that one. Um, it, we're talking with Matthew Elliott, uh, ag economist up there at, at South Dakota State University. It, Matthew, what was there anything else on the balance sheets for corn or for soybeans that you saw that made you think, okay, now that's one that I'm going to watch in the future because we could see some changes there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, of course, the the – acreage number and the harvested acreage number on especially corn you know will be of interest um you know especially as we go into that final january report those will be something to watch not sure how much yields will will change you know as we go forward i would expect less change in the yields but you never know um you know the the one interesting thing that i think from a demand standpoint that's still out there is you know that crush uh, on soybeans, you know, where's that going to end up as we move into the next marketing year? And we're looking yeah. and projecting for demand in the following year. If that, you know, we see this huge crush demand and changes in, you know, we're not going to be exporting beans as much and we're going to be crushing more and yep. how that all plays out and where prices have to be to make that work within our internal system that we have here that's going to be something to watch in the next uh 12 months yeah. to 24 months well i tell you what you're right in the middle of it up there aren't you oh yeah absolutely i mean we've expanded um crush capacity in our area here in south dakota and north dakota lots coming online minnesota um so yeah it's definitely changed the soybean uh you know dynamics and in profitability uh in our area um Certainly soybeans are, are increasing in acreage and, and uh, you know, I, I continue to see that in the future as, as more comes online. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, like I said at the, the uh, end of the last segment, South Dakota, well, and North Dakota, it's one of those swing states where we can see acres move and move fairly dramatically on a year-to-year basis uh, 83.6 million planted this year, 87.5 million bean acres planted a year ago. I don't know if we get all the way back up to the 2022 bean acres, but it sure feels like bean acres are going to be higher than what they were this year, doesn't it? Yeah, no, I think that, of course, they, even if you just figure in your typical rotation, you're going to see probably a bump because of the rotational benefits mm-hmm. from corn and soybeans. 
So we'll see a bump in, in beans and maybe a reduction in corn acres uh, next year. Um, you know, and especially out here in South Dakota and I think in, in North Dakota, you know, what we're seeing at the ground level, soybean yields uh, tend to hold up better, um, profitability is better, um, you know, than we, we tend to get in corn just because um, they're, they can withstand a little bit more of the, the drought uh, periods. Um, and and so forth. I'm not entirely sure why our soybeans are doing better and are more profitable, but they they tend to do pretty good up here. Yeah, they certainly do. There's no question about it. What you, I think you said earlier that the soybean to corn price ratio right now about two point four to one. Does it does it get higher than that? I I mean, when I was done with crop tour this year, Matthew, my my immediate thought after getting, you know, the the acreage cut in September was that at some point we're going to see a three to one soybean to, to corn price ratio. Does does that seem possible? I think certainly if the, you know, the demand starts picking up on the soybeans and we talked about that, you know, increasing crash capacity and that's putting pressure on local cash prices as well as the futures. I, you know, it's certainly possible, um, you know, and I, I mean, I, I'm kind of trying to remember, I've done a lot of analysis on this, but it's been a, a little bit uh, further back, but I think, you know, 2.5 is typically the, yeah, that's about where you yeah. you expect that the average ratio. So anywhere, you know, towards three, you, you, you expect a real big bump in soybean uh, acreage relative to corn, anything below that 2.5, you're, you're still kind of leaning more to the corn side. Um, you know, I haven't done the penciled out the budgets yet, but um, it, you know, I still don't think we're we're at that point where the market's really incentivizing more soybean acres yet. Um, and and I, I anticipate maybe we will, and you know, as we approach planting season. Man, oh man, it, just just hint at a problem with the Brazilian bean crop. Yep. And it's going to be game on to get more bean acres in the U.S., isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the big thing because I mean, if if Brazil has a problem, they've had pretty good crops here in Argentina had a, a decent crop. Um, you know, I think if we see any problems down there, um, where they're you know we're going to have to pick up export demand, um, especially for China, then you know I think that that's certainly going to. Uh, put a lot of upward pressure on our prices and, and incentivize more soybean acres going into next season. Okay. Okay. You know, as impressive as the move was in soybeans, I was impressed by the move in corn, got us back up there close to that $5 level. The simple fact that we had wheat close higher today, when we got a uh, that uh, uh, wheat carryover estimate at 670 million bushels, 23 million bushels above the trade gas. That was a pretty impressive day in wheat, given the, the blow that it took. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, and maybe, you know, a little bit as economists, we think the 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 market's more efficient than, say, the government reports are on that information. And so, I, you know, wheat's taken quite a tumble over the last couple of months. I, you know, I something over two bucks or something a bushel, I think, yeah. on those contracts that we've lost. And so finally, maybe the, the bad news is all out there and we can start to just find the lows on that on those weak contract prices. And 
and start looking to next year and hopefully yeah. find some export demand. Yeah, and I think we can take a look over at what's going on with with the global numbers. There's some concern over the Australian wheat crop. Uh, the the La Nina, excuse me, the El Nino influence on Argentine weather has been slowed to develop. There's some concern about the the wheat wheat crop down in Argentina. And then, of course, the Ukrainian situation. Their their total farmable ground is off another eight or nine percent from what it was a year ago. This it all just kind of keeps adding up. And the global story for wheat, Matthew, I th- it feels like it's changing. Yeah, I, I, it you know I think the the market will react more to those global stories if we start seeing you know instead of increasing our stocks to use level here in the US for um for wheat if we start seeing that export demand pick up and we see our 34% stocks to use start going uh yeah. downward or trending downward again towards 30% then we start getting a little bit more nervous in the market and and you find some longs for managed money and so forth um and so we could that would have to happen or materialize. We'd have to see some of those crop production problems uh, yeah. turn into export demand for us. And then our, our stocks to use ratios start declining and heading towards that 30% stocks to use level. Yep. Yep. We've asked the question several times before, was there really a drought in Australia if it didn't turn into more demand for us or, or even Canadian wheat? And so many times it doesn't, they just find alternatives somehow some way and so now here we sit with a wheat export estimate of 700 million bushels it just seems ridiculously low and hard for the u.s to attract any demand any additional demand and and i don't know what gets that job done Yeah, I mean, it has to take a slew of, uh, you know, world production problems or so, uh, political events like we had in Ukraine and, and so forth. But, I mean, we did, we have brought, you know, we were at 40% stocks to use in weed here just a year or two ago. And we went, you know, we're down to 34%. So that's improvement. Um, but, you know, it, it's still not where we're you know, at that level in, you know, say 2008 or 2009, where we were seeing $12 bushel, $13 bushel, right. hard red winter wheat prices and, and so forth. So, right. you know, I, I, I don't know. The problem with wheat is that the production is so dispersed. You can have yep. problems in one area and better wheat in other areas. And so it thins offset when you have yep. a very dispersed production. Exactly. Matthew, great job. I'd like to wish you good luck this weekend, but I don't think I can do that. Not playing you and I. I just hope it's a great game, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we're kind of the we're we're the national champions. Yep. So everybody's after us, uh, and we get everybody's best game. Yep. So we got all right, Matthew. Just hope for the best. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. 
It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. And welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Your pal, Davis Michelson here. Chip Flory standing by as well. Um, we are in South Dakota. Figuratively speaking. Figuratively yes. speaking. Mm-hmm. On the road show. That's right. That's right. And just imagine, you know, I'm driving along and it's just, it's going on and on and on and we're drilling westward and yeah. chips asleep in the, in the other seat. There's nothing to yeah. see out here but flat land. And then we, we cut through what I call the Chamberlain Gap. Yeah. And then suddenly it's a whole nother South Dakota and Chip exactly. is awake and he's engaged. He's ready to go. And I can finally, we'll switch then and I'll get some sleep. <laughs> that's how it worked. That. University of Northern Iowa Panthers two and zero in conference play. Yeah, South Dakota State University two and zero in conference play. Uh, five, they've got us in the overall the year. Five and zero overall. The our beloved Panthers are at three and two. Yep, but they do okay on the road. It appears this year. Yeah, so maybe and, well, and and the Jackrabbits are defending champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. I mean, what is it in the water up there in the Dakotas? Yeah, I don't know. You got NDSU and SDSU. It's just mm-hmm. uh, uh, pretty crazy. I think, you know, let's bring a little bit. Let's drain some of that water right mm-hmm. down to Cedar Falls, Iowa. There you go. Yeah, yeah. man. Let's get Might a little taste of a championship. A Absolutely. Yep. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? A championship. Oh. Be fantastic. You know, I, I remember it was <laughs> less than a year ago when uh, the team from my beloved city won the championship of the known universe in football boy that was yeah. a good day good that was day. a good day was it good yeah. times yeah ahead of the report corn futures were trading four to five cents lower soybeans one to three cents higher uh let's from the boom goes the dynamite file off went the beans yep yeah and, and off to the races man and and factoring in what i think is probably another cut to the national average soybean yield in the crop estimate. Mm-hmm. I thought ultimately it was going to end up at that 49.7. I, I felt really good about that number. Uh, so I was thinking, you know, a couple of tenths off this month, a couple of tenths off in November, zero in on 49.7 in the January report. Instead, they took a half a bushel. That is not an insignificant cut. Not an insignificant cut. Definitely suggests to me that uh, USDA was still learning, mm-hmm. was still learning about the bean yield in uh, when, when they did this survey. No question about it. Let's take a look at some of the state-by-states. Okay. Okay. In the top 13 production states, USDA cut soybean. And this is straight from the pro-farmer reaction 
to the reports, okay? Uh, USDA cut soybean yields in Kansas down three bushels to 26 bushels per acre. Michigan down three bushels to 46. Nebraska down one bushel to 54. Ohio down one bushel from a month ago to 57 bushels per acre down in Ohio. And Wisconsin down two bushels per acre to 44 bushels per acre. Yields were left unchanged on soybeans in Arkansas, 53 bushels per acre. Illinois, 61 bushels per acre. Iowa, 58 bushels per acre. That number's going down. Minnesota, 48 bushels per acre. That number might actually go up a little bit. Missouri, 45 bushels per acre. North Dakota, 33 bushels per acre. And South Dakota, 43 bushels per acre. USDA raised the yield estimate in Indiana. Up one bushel to 61 bushels per acre, mm-hmm. making Illinois beans in Indiana. That's an impressive uh, impressive bean crop there in Indiana, no doubt about it. And Ohio, down a bushel, yes, but yeah. coming in at 57 bushels, that's nothing to nothing to sneeze no. at. No, absolutely not. It uh, uh, let I think I can probably tell you, I don't know if that is a record. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the hashtag on the the USDA map means that it's a record high. So 57 bushels would be a record yield in Ohio. 61 would be a record in Indiana. Wow. 50 would be a record in Tennessee. 57 would be a record in Mississippi. 53 wow. is a record in Arkansas. Wow. All Southern farmers. Yeah, getting after it. Outstanding. That's impressive. Yep. Um, that was so. That was on beans. Um, yes. And really, you, you and Matthew Elliot, uh, Elliot from South Dakota State University, trying to say too many words at the same time. Um, we're a lot of talk about the the um, the uh, the the ratio, the price ratio yeah. uh, for next year. And a three to one came up. A three to one, dude. <laughs> I, Come on. I still you think said it's going. possible. Yeah, I I still think it's going to get there. I do really you? do. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah. I I'll do. I I I told myself that I need to do a little bit more work on that and do a little bit more analysis on it. Yeah, uh, I'll be doing that here. Well, I'll probably do it yet this afternoon and and see how realistic that might be. But mm-hmm. um, boy, I tell you what, any kind of a hiccup in Brazil, yeah. boom. Yeah. Look out. They're going to, I think they're going to get it there. So. USDA cut its corn production estimates 70 million bushels, 37 million bushels more than traders expected. The yield now at 173.0 bushels per acre. Harvested area unchanged, 87 point, call it 87.1 million yep. acres, Chip. Yeah, all right. And across the corn belt, USDA cut corn yields in Iowa down one bushel to 199 bushels per acre. Uh, I believe that's down a, uh, a bushel from a year ago now. Kansas down five bushels to 122. Michigan down three bushels to 170. Minnesota down one bushel to 179. Missouri down four bushels to 141. Nebraska down three bushel to 174. North Dakota down two bushel to 136. The yield was unchanged in Ohio, 195. Wisconsin, 165. USDA raised the yield estimate in Illinois up two bushels per acre to 200 bushels per acre. Indiana up three to 197 and south dakota up one to 147 let's see if we've got any hashtag oh yeah 
Indiana is a record at 197. Ohio is a record at 195. We've got South Carolina coming in with a record at 160 at 147. Uh, Alabama in at 167. That would be a record for Alabama, and I think that's all I see for the records right there. Okay, uh, boys, keep an eye on the weather out there in Nebraska. There's some rough stuff blowing around. Come back tomorrow morning, 10:06 Central. We're going to have a free for all. Wiesmeyer, Haney, Nefer, Michelson, and me here on Agritalk.